of an anchor that keeps the soul steady. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. When you read Joshua chapter 24, there are several things that stand out. First, Joshua, the successor to Moses, the great leader and lawgiver of ancient Israel, is about to depart this life. The time has come for him to say goodbye. And so he calls the children of Israel together. And they meet in Shechem. The purpose is to encourage God's people to commit or to recommit their lives to God. There is, in a sense, a ratification again of the covenant that they enjoyed with Almighty God. God had said to Israel, following their deliverance from bondage while in Egypt, that if they would obey His voice and keep His commands, then they would be His people. And so Joshua here pleads with the Israelite nation to be faithful to that covenant. I want to begin by, first of all, talking about that when they assembled together in Shechem, that it was a time of deliberation. First and foremost, let me just, by way of history, talk for a minute about the place of their meeting. Shechem was a rich city with a long history, going all the way back to Abraham. God, of course, had called Abraham and his family to leave their homeland and to journey to a place that God would show him. In Genesis chapter 12, when Abraham and his family left Haran, the Bible tells us that one of the things he did was built an altar to God in Shechem. Later in history, Shechem was known as one of the cities of refuge. As a matter of fact, it was given to the Kohathite Levites. And of course, they ministered before Almighty God. They had priestly duties. Joshua tells us in the latter part of chapter 24 that Shechem was the final resting place for the bones of Joseph. And so we talk about this place of meeting. But I want you to consider with me for just a moment or two about the purpose for their meeting. There were several things that Joshua did at the onset of their meeting, to prepare them to commit or recommit to serving Almighty God. He reminds them of the great power of Almighty God. He also makes known 
Not just the power of God, but the presence of God in their lives. Let me just call attention to some verses in the first part of chapter 24. The power of God and the presence of God are made abundantly clear in verses 1 through 12. One of the things that I noted in looking at this chapter is the number of times that Joshua employed the personal pronoun I, the reference being to deity, to God. Note, for example, what God said about his providential care for Israel. Of course, he had called Abraham. And so in verse 3, he said, I took your father, Abraham, from the other side of the river and led him throughout all the land of Canaan. In verse 4, he said to Isaac, I gave Jacob. Down in verse 5, I sent Moses and Aaron. I plagued Egypt. In verse 6, I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And then down in verse 7, he talks about what I did in Egypt. How I brought you into the land of the Amorites. Fourteen times in these twelve verses, God talks about what he did on behalf of ancient Israel. And really what God was saying is, I've been with you every step of the way. Look at verse 13. He talks about the provisions of Almighty God. God had abundantly blessed them. He had brought them out of Egyptian bondage. He had cared for them every step of the way. And so down in verse 13, he said, I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities from which you did not build and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. We talk about the providence of God and the fact that his providence is seen in so many ways. When we talk about the history of the Israelite nation, God made a promise to Abraham that through his seed all the families of the earth would be blessed. That promise was fulfilled in Christ. Those today who have obeyed the gospel, we are heirs according to that promise. Based on what Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 3. But God had been very good to Israel. He had called upon Abraham to be the father of the Hebrew nation. He needed a vehicle to bring the Christ into the world and they fulfilled their purpose. The providence of Almighty God, the goodness of God, the great mercies of God. But then there's a second thing I want you to see. Not only was it a time of deliberation, it was a time for a decision. A decision needed to be made. I want to begin by talking about the command that needed to be heeded. Listen, if you will, to what Joshua said to the children of Israel while they were assembled in Shechem. There are three specific things he tells them they need to do. Number one, he said, you need to fear the Lord. The idea is they needed to reverence or respect Almighty God. What did Solomon say in Proverbs chapter 1? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. They had been blessed richly by Almighty God. God had entered into a covenant relationship with them. He had providentially cared for them every step of the way. 
They had seen his goodness, mercy, and grace time and again. One of the things that would keep them faithful would be to revere, to respect, to fear him. And then he said, number two, you must serve him in sincerity and in truth. Somewhat reminiscent of what Jesus said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. As a matter of fact, by way of history, did you know that some scholars associate the town Sychar where Jesus met the woman at the well with Shechem? Jesus said to that woman, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, God has a prescribed way that we are to worship him, that we are to honor him. But not only must we worship him according to truth, but our heart must be in it. We have to have the right attitude. Jesus talked about those who honored him with their lips, but he said, your heart is far from me. Joshua here is saying, look, you need to serve Almighty God in sincerity and truth. The two go hand in hand. And then there's a third thing. He said, put away the other gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Apparently, some assembled on this day, as hard as it may be for us to imagine, may have been flirting with idolatry. As a matter of fact, if you look down to verse 23, Joshua again instructs them to put away the foreign gods which are among you. And he said, incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. So I would infer from this that there were some that were engaged in idolatrous practices. But note how he closes his admonitions. Serve the Lord. The emphasis upon serving Almighty God. Now, not only were, not only were there commands that needed to be heeded, but there was a choice to be honored. Listen to what he says in verse 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day among whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorite, Amorites in whose land you now dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think about this great assembly of people standing before Joshua. And Joshua has been a successful leader of ancient Israel. He has fulfilled his purpose. And he is telling the children of Israel, look, it's time for you guys to make a decision. You're going to have to decide whether or not you're going to be faithful to God or are you going to just live as you please? But note what he says. He literally throws down the gauntlet and says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua here standing alone in the sense that 
if everyone else among the nation chose not to serve God, Joshua was saying, look, we're going to serve God, come what may. We want you to be with us. We want you to serve God with us. But if not, look, we're going to serve him no matter what. All of us ought to have that attitude. We talk about the home and the fact that the home impacts the well-being of a nation. If the home is a mist, then the nation's going to be a wreck. One of the reasons that our nation today is in trouble is because the home is under siege. Mamas and daddies not rearing their children in the Lord. Mamas and daddies not reverencing Almighty God themselves, putting Him first. I want you to think about this decision for just a moment. Here's Joshua, and he's standing before the children of Israel, and he's saying, look, you've got to make a decision. You've got to decide what you're going to do. Moses, before stepping out into eternity, in his farewell address, back in Deuteronomy chapter 30, told the children of Israel, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, he said, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Moses here telling the people, look, you've got to decide. You can go the way of life or you can go the way of death. You can go the way where God will bless you or you can choose a path wherein you will be cursed. But he said, what you need to do is choose life. You need to make the right decision because that will impact the success or failure of your family. I wonder if we ever pause to think about as a mama or a daddy, I wonder if we ever think about how our relationship or lack thereof with God affects our children. I understand that at some point in time our children are on their own. They make their own decisions. They choose their own way in life. But to the best of our ability, we strive to rear them in the Lord. We want to be like the mother and grandmother of Timothy that, instruct, that instructs our children in the Lord. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, And that from a baby you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And so instilling in the lives of our young people Faith in Almighty God. Trust in God. Let me just share with you very quickly. As you look at verse 15. First of all, I think about how this is such a profound choice. Why would I say it's a profound choice? Joshua said, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. I want to ask you a question. Do you know a more profound question that could be asked today? I mean, when we, when we think about our relationship to God, making a decision, are we going to serve God or are we going to just do as we please? I don't think there is a more profound question. And then... I think about how it's a powerful question. I mean, you've got to decide. Let me ask you this question. 
If you choose to follow the Lord or if you choose not to follow the Lord, is there anything that will affect your life any greater? Your decision to serve Almighty God will impact not just your life here, but it will have an eternal bearing on your soul. It was a profound statement made by Joshua. You've got to choose. It was a powerful one, and then thirdly, a personal one. Listen again. Choose for yourselves. You see, you've got to make a choice. Personally, you have to decide whether or not you're going to serve the Lord. You as a father have to decide whether or not your family is going to live in accordance with the will of God or if you're going to just live according to the world. It's your decision. But it is a personal decision. Every single one of us here today must grapple with the personal, the very personal decision to either serve the Lord or reject Him. When I think about the personal nature of Christianity and the fact that it has the ability to literally transform my life, and the lives of my loved ones, I see the gravity of living for Almighty God. Now, Joshua, as I said a moment ago, his decision has been made. Joshua said, look, we're going to serve the Lord come what may. What you do, that's on your watch, but this is what I'm going to do. I want to encourage you to think about your relationship. Do you remember when Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate? Matthew tells us in chapter 27, verse 22, that Pontius Pilate asked the question, what then shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? Whether you know it or not, that is the, that is the question of the hour. What are you going to do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Are you going to live for him? Are you going to serve him? Are you going to honor his will or will you choose to reject him? You read the book of Acts. The apostle Paul standing before Felix and Drusilla. Reasoning with them of righteousness, temperance and the judgment to come. The Bible says that Felix trembled and said go your way. When I have a more convenient season, I'll call for you. Later, Paul would stand before King Agrippa. He would reason with him out of the prophets, the Old Testament. He said to Agrippa, I know you believe the prophets. Agrippa said, you almost make me a Christian. You have to make a choice. Let me just close this point by saying this. If you haven't decided to follow the Lord, it's time to make the choice. It's time to make the right choice, to do the right thing, to follow him. Now, 
There's a third thing I want you to see in our study. And that is, it was a time of dedication. You see, the children of Israel, they had to decide what they're going to do. And so, the Bible relates to us their consecration to Almighty God. First of all, note with me, if you would, the resolve of the people. In verse 16, the Bible says, The people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt. From the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went. And among all the people through whom we passed. Now look at verse 18. He said, And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites who dwell in the land. And then listen. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. That was their resolve. When you decide to serve the Lord, that has to be your attitude. You've got to say, I'm going to be faithful to God no matter what. My family members, we're in this thing together. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be faithful to him. We're going to, we're going to do our best to live for him. Now, there is a re-emphasis to Israel by Joshua. Apparently, he may have suspected that they would waver on this. As a matter of fact, when you look at the history of the nation of Israel, you'll find that time and again, they would live faithfully for God, and then they would go into apostasy. They'd live faithfully for God, then they'd go into apostasy. It was a cyclical thing. So here's what Joshua said. You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. Let me just pause here. Joshua is saying, look, if you become disobedient, you need to understand there are some consequences to that. Remember back in Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses had told the children of Israel, if you'll follow the will of Almighty God, he will bless you. He'll bless your life. If you choose to ignore his commands and his will, he will curse you. That's what Joshua is saying here. But the challenge, the people responded by saying, no, but we will serve the Lord. And so then Joshua reinforces the need to commit to the Lord God. Very quickly, verse 22. So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. I want to ask you a question today. Who are you serving? What about your family? What about your children? Are they serving God? As a mama or daddy, are you serving God? Are you setting the right example in the home? Are you doing your best to rear your children in the Lord? I know some of you may be thinking, you know what, I'm older, 
My children are grown. I have no control over their lives. Listen, I understand that. I fully understand that. As much as we would like to be able to go back and do things over, we can't. The past is in the past. But here's what we can do. So we made mistakes, yes. So we haven't been the godly mama, the godly daddy that we should have been. So our, so our lives haven't worked out as we thought they would. You know, sometimes we have this ideal life pictured in our minds. Time goes on and things don't work out as we thought they would. Maybe that's your case today. Here is the blessing of Christianity. You can choose today. You see, every day on planet Earth is time and opportunity. What you have to do is start where you are. Let's say your children are grown. And you haven't obeyed the gospel. Or maybe you obeyed the gospel, you're not living faithfully for the Lord. You want to get back in harmony with the will of God. You want to enjoy the blessings of Almighty God. Here's what you need to do. If you haven't obeyed the gospel, then you need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Because Jesus said, except you believe that I'm He, you'll die in your sins. I know you believe in Jesus. Here's the hard part. Repentance. Giving up a life of sin. Turning from a life of sin. And then confessing with our mouth that Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible then says we're to be immersed in Christ. Why? So that our sins might be washed away, Acts 22, 16. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where you were born. What matters is, are you willing to do what Jesus said? You see, God can take you where you are in life right now, whether young or old. He can take you where you are right now and use you for His glory and to His glory. Let's say you're here and you've not been faithful. I would encourage you, turn back to God. You know, James said, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. And it may be that you feel as if you need the church to pray on your behalf. We have that right as a family. And let's just say as a child of God, you knew what was right. You knew the pathway that was right and you ignored that. Your life's in shambles. Your children's lives, they're in shambles. Here's what you can do. You can come home. Do like that prodigal of old. Come to your spiritual senses. Now here's what's going to happen. You can't go back and change the past. But you have the power to demonstrate a changed life in the present. You remember what Paul said? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So as a child of God, if, you're, if you have a young family, you can say right now, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be faithful to Almighty God. We're going to do our best to read, to study the scriptures, to pray. We're going to be at the services of the church. We're going to do everything we can to lead our children home to heaven. And maybe you're here 
Your kids are grown. They're not under your watch anymore. If you commit or recommit your life to the Lord, you can begin trying to be an influence on them today. You can say, look, we weren't what we should have been in the past, and we're going to do better. We're going to serve the Lord, and we want you to follow us. You can do that. But it's your choice. I close by asking this question. Isn't it time to make the right choice? You've made enough bad choices in life. You've made enough poor decisions in life. Why not have the courage of a Joshua and say, you know what? We're going to serve the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again and to see video archives, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.